This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This message is part of a series entitled, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Thank you so much. Take your Bible, if you will. Find the book of Colossians, chapter 1. I am deviating from John's Gospel, but I'm going to blame, I don't know if blame's a good word, I'm going to blame it on John's Gospel for where I'm at this morning. As I was earlier in the week looking at John chapter 2, and I will come back to that in a few weeks, but uh, now I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to give you a little intro. So I'm looking at John chapter 2, just to give you a little background, it's Jesus' first miracle, it's the first sign, and all his signs and miracles pointed to who he was, he was manifesting himself to the people and, and who Christ is. And so in studying the text and looking at what is taking place and the significance of this and significance of that, Monday I just kept looking at that what Jesus, one of the things that Jesus was saying with the new wine is that there's a new day. That the old is, is no longer that I am Christ, I am the Messiah, there's a, there's a new way. And, and sometimes, uh, and you notice in the Gospels, people just couldn't get it. The, the religious people just couldn't see Jesus for who he is. And so I, I kind of had that in my mind, the old and the new and, and looking toward the future of something. And, and then this week, I just had a very busy pastoral ministry week. Uh, I was over in, in uh, Sarasota for a regional meeting with other pastors. There was a, a local meeting here in, in our county uh, this week with local pastors. We had our uh, pastor and, and wife, deacon, get together at our house uh, Friday. And then Saturday was a work day with the church. And so thank you for those that were able to come. I know that all of you could not uh, you're going to might you might see some incriminating evidence of maybe I looked like I was taking a nap at some point, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that was staged. Okay, no matter what Brian Henderson tells you, that was a staged picture. Uh, but we had a great work day. We got a lot accomplished, and so all this week, all I could not help but think about was the church. What is the church? What is the church not? One of the meetings I had, both meetings dealt with the life of the church, the health of the church, the effectiveness of the church, where is the church going, where is the church been, what are we doing? And so church, church, church has just been everywhere on my heart and my mind. And so whenever the Lord does that, I know better than to not listen to what he's telling me to do and thinking I've got to stay on my schedule. So today I want us to talk about the church. And so if you'll take your bulletin and notice on the right side of that, there is a a logo. You'll notice it's all in. I've used this sporadically in the the last couple of weeks. You're going to be seeing that a lot over the next several months. And as we get into the new church year, our new church year starts in fall. And as we anticipate things, the vacation Bible is going to go to the fall. You notice it's all in. And you notice in in the letter A, there's a steeple. Well, that steeple is our steeple. And the idea is, is, as a church, we're all in. One of the great things about the church, it's not an individual thing. 
You know, it's like people think, well, just me and Jesus and nothing else. Well, you're going to be very bored in heaven if you think you're going to be able to be alone. The Christian life is together. Whether we're an introvert or an extrovert or any other vert, we're together. We do life together. We, we enjoy one another. We, we enjoy what we have in Christ. We enjoy what God is asking us to do to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all in. Notice that verse there. I, I'm going to probably leave this in the bulletin for several weeks. Acts 2, 42, 47. And they, who is they? The early church. The Holy Spirit had come upon the people of God. They have gotten their life right and the Spirit has come upon them. By the way, the same thing that should happen to us. We look at the church of Acts. And, you know, they're, they're believers that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Guess what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ and repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ today? You get filled with the Holy Ghost. But why are we as a church not accomplishing today what the early church did? That's an us problem. God's done everything. He's given us the Holy Ghost. We have it. But they devoted themselves. Key word is devotion, passion, love, excitement, anticipation. They just loved church. They loved the body. They loved what God had called them to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking in bread and prayers. None of God's word is by accident. You notice what, what they devoted themselves to? Everything in church life, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread. Sometimes I think as a Christian, we say, well, I do this and I do that and I don't do this and I don't do that. No, we do everything. We do, we're the church, we're the body. We love it. They were devoted to it. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They must not have been Baptists, right? Or Methodists. They must not have been from the north. Northern people can't get along. Wait a minute, they must not have been from the south. Southern people can't get along. None of us can get along. Until you have Jesus as Lord of your life, you're not going to get along with others. They all came together had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds as all had need. Now, I'm not going to preach on selling all you have and give to the church. What they were doing is Pentecost had come, the Holy Spirit had come, and everybody had come for a religious holiday. Everybody had come, the Jews had come for a religious holiday, and God showed up. And the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they all got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody wanted to go home. So you had people that live in it. It'd be like having a thousands of people come to Avon Park and show up that don't have jobs and lives or nothing. So in order to meet the needs of the body, they were willing to do whatever it took to meet the needs of people. That's what that means. And day by day, they were tending together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with gladness and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all people. They were praising God and having favor with all people. They were praising God and they were having favor with all people. You know, some of the most bitter, unhappy, unjoyful people I've ever been around are Christians. I have said this to someone before. Someone questioned who I was hanging out with, and I told them I enjoyed being around that lost person because they had more joy in their heart as a lost person than the saved person that was just bitter and bitter and bitter. That's a sad testimony. See, when you're praising God, you have favor with all people. I've had lost people tell me they don't believe in what I believe, but they like being around me. We have favor with all people. And guess what happened? God showed up. 
And the Lord added to the number day by day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that incredible? What a great little formula to be the church. All in. You're going to hear that over and over and over. We might even stand up and start reciting that passage randomly on Sunday mornings. Who's going to be ready next week? It'd be like me in Greek class. You'll never look up. You'll always be looking down. You're afraid if I see your eyes, I'm going to call on you to do something in class. That's a little Greek, what you do in seminary. You never, let, never make eye contact with a professor. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. I want us to hear the words of Paul as we think about the church. There's two things I want us to do this morning. We're going to talk about, there's several things we're going to do this morning. One is, when we think about the church, when I say the church, that's the church universal. That is everybody that is born again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, everybody that's in heaven is the church, the church. But we're also going to think about our church. We're going to think about First Baptist Church of Avon Park. Another thing we're going to do, we're going to think about believers, Everybody that's a believer, we're going to think about what does a believer believe? How does a believer live? How do Christians behave? We're going to think about all believers in general, but also we're going to talk about who? You. Sometimes in preaching, we preach, and, and I'm just, I can be the same way. We say, boy, that was a good word. I hope they heard it. No, sometimes we got to say, man, that's a good word. I needed that. Or maybe right now we need to say, I need to hear a word today. If nobody else hears it, Lord, I want to hear it. And then also we need to look at it. When we start thinking about the life of the church, they need to get it, yes, but we need to get it. So those are the things we got to do. The church, our church, them, us, him, them, we're all included. What a great picture. Oh, if we could just be like Paul. If we could get to a point that we say, I'm not there yet, but I sure want to get there. Notice his voice. Just, just listen to him. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Who suffered more than the scripture that we could think other than Christ? Well, they all suffered. Paul, Peter, James, murdered for being a Christian, martyred for Christ. And we think about all that Paul endured. And yet in our culture, if one thing goes wrong, we run for the hills. If one thing does not go our way, we wave the white flag. Notice what Paul says. I endured. No, no, let me rephrase that. I said that wrong. He didn't endure in suffering. What did he do? I rejoice in suffering. I came in last night and all I wanted was sympathy. all I want. I worked hard. You know you're in trouble when you have to tell your wife, honey, I worked hard today. You know what she told me? If you do that every day, you wouldn't be sore today. <laughs> it is hard living where I live. And before all you wonderful church leaders say the same thing I see you moving kind of slow today too that we're at the work day find you come to church on Saturday you find muscles you didn't know you had I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake 
We could stop right there and give an invitation to be here all day at the altar. Most people look at any reason in the world why they can't do something at the church, why they can't serve in the church, why they can't give to the church, why they can't give to me. I would if I could, I would, but Paul said, listen, I don't have any other reason why not. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. It's not about me. It's about the glory of God and the gospel. It's about missions. It's about people that know know Christ. It's about the church. His whole life was consumed with the church. But guess what else? Remember we said? The church. Instead of something over to the side, Paul says, my whole life is consumed. I rejoice in my sufferings for the church in Colossae. Imagine what would happen if each and every one of us, wherever church you represent, if you're visiting with us, could you imagine what would happen? Think about the church you're from for our northern guests. If everybody that was part of your church said, I rejoice in my sufferings for this church. What if everybody on our church roll said that in Avon Park? I rejoice in my sufferings for this church. I'm having a bad week, but it's for this church. Things are going on in my life, but it's for this church. And for my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. You think church is important to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you think individual believers are important to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you think that you don't matter to the Lord Jesus Christ? Paul did all that he did for you and for others like you in a church. All of this, which is, now here's the thing about it. It is not our church. It is not our body. It is not anything but his body, the church. Could you imagine what would happen if every Christian realized that the church is Christ's body? Could you imagine, the, just think about people that you encourage to come to church. Just think about that. You, you've got a friend you encourage to come to church. Well, I don't have time for church. I'm too busy for church. I, don't, I work too hard for church. All right, now do, so just take church and just add Jesus right before that. I don't have time for Jesus' body. I don't believe in Jesus' body. I don't have time to do this. It is Jesus' body. It is his church of which I became a servant of the church, of Christ's body, according to the stewardship of God. He was a servant because God was a, enabled him to be a servant. He was a steward. A steward is somebody that takes care of stuff. Somebody gives you something and you take care of that. Paul received from God a gift to be an apostle. And at the end of the day, Paul is going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, how would I do? Every one of us are going to stand before the Lord and give an account for how did I do with what God gave me to do for the glory of his church. Not for how did I do with my career? How did I do with my hobby? How did I do doing these things? No, we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to give an account how did I do with what you gave me to do for your church, your body. Now that ought to be very exciting to some of us. To others of us, I don't even know what in the world we're going to say. 
I mean, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be an active member line and an inactive member line. <laughs> all active church members over here, all inactive. As a matter of fact, inactive may go a little more farther south than we thought it was going to go. It's going to be next. I'm going to get to heaven and say, Lord, I did the best I can do with who I am. And he's going to say, I know I made you that way. Bless your heart. It's not a, bless your heart is not a southern thing. I think the angels came up with that. Bless his heart. Lord, have mercy. It was given to me for you to make the whole... The, this was given to me for you to make the Lord, the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for all ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. What a great mystery, Christ in you. That's what the gospel does. It opens up the eyes, Christ in you. Why do we share the gospel? Christ in you. You're lost and you're found. Why are you found? Christ in you. You're blind. Why do you see now? Christ in you. Why do we preach the, the gospel? Because we want people to see Christ and what Christ is in them, which is the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. So you got teaching, you got warning, verse 28, with all wisdom that we may present everyone what? Mature in Christ. Is that not a mouthful? This was supposed to be introductory material. Paul, a minister, a servant to the body of Christ, a local church. He, he struggles, he rejoices for the church. He has been called to be a steward as a servant to proclaim the word of God so that everyone may be found to be mature in Christ Jesus. Whose responsibility is it for us to be mature in Christ Jesus? It is everyone's responsibility that we are mature in Christ Jesus. That's what makes the church so wonderful. That's why if people are not actively involved in serving in a church, there's that always empty nagging. There's that void. Have you ever noticed that? There's going to be times in your life, there was in my life, where I was a believer but not serving the Lord Jesus Christ through his church. There's just a void. There's a void of satisfaction. Job is never enough. Money is never enough. Relationships are never enough. Yes, I'm a believer. Yeah, I go to church every now and then. I may even come kind of faithful, but I'm not really serving the Lord through the church. And I, and I never get satisfied doing any of these things. Relationships, money, job, passion, we just kind of bounce around. But when we find who we are in Christ, in his church, and our life revolves around serving the Lord through his church, I don't have that void anymore. I don't have that angst anymore. I'm not looking to find it somewhere else because I've got it. That's what I'm called to do, to love Christ, to love his church, to serve him. That's, I got it. But isn't it aggravating when you don't get it? You're trying to get people to get it, but then you get it, you don't understand why others don't get it. I had a lady join our church one time. She come down forward. I want to join the church. Are you coming today to profess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I am. Are you a believer? Yes, I am. You know, sometimes a pastor, we don't believe you. You know that? So we ask a lot more questions. We're just not sure because we... We see you out and about. We didn't know you were a Christian. Oh, <laughs> didn't know you were a Christian. That explains a lot. 
So this lady wants to join the church. I'm going, I didn't know she, I know me and ugly. I mean, I really did not know she was saved. There was nothing I saw in her life that made me think she's a born again, faithful follower of Jesus Christ. That she comes one Sunday. I thought she was coming to get saved. She's coming to move her membership. Hmm. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I can't say no. I have steps in place and things. I said, okay. She joined the church. Well, she wanted to be disciples. She went through some one-on-one discipleship. Guess what happened? She got saved. And so she, she got saved, and she started coming to prayer meeting and Bible study on Wednesday night. Now, I'm not saying if you don't come, you're not saved. I'm just telling what she said. And, I mean, a true story. So then she, she showed up on a Sunday night discipleship, and she was just all excited. She came to me after discipleship one night, and she goes, Why do people not come back for this? Why would you not want to be discipled? I went. And I asked her, You used to not come. You know what she said? But I wasn't saved. Isn't that incredible? She thought she was, but she really wasn't. Then when she saw it, she said, this is all I need. All that I thought I had, I didn't have. It's found in my walk with Christ and what we're able to do through the church. I wish I could have videoed that conversation. Just have it on my phone all the time and play to people. So goes your walk with Christ. Okay, I'm okay with Jesus. Where's Jesus ahead of? You tell me. If you don't know this, we're going to stay a lot longer than 12. <laughs> what is Jesus ahead of? Who is he coming back for? Who is he empowered to do gospel ministry? Who plants churches? Who does evangelism? If you love Jesus and don't love the church, something isn't right. So I was sitting there, ADD me. I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking through all of this in the middle of a meeting about church revitalization. And I made my own list. What does a healthy, growing, gospel-centered, Jesus-is-able church look like? What does it look like? What is our scorecard? I made some notes. It's not about numbers. Okay, it's more than numbers. Let me just say this. I love Christ church. Every, I, I got to think about that. I went back and looked at my manuscripts from college and seminary, and there were so many classes, electives, church, 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 church growth, church, all church. Anything that connected to local church, I wanted to take. Most of my thesis projects, most of my big papers about the church, about the church, about the church. I thought, well, duh, I guess I do love the church. I'm a pastor. So I love the church, and I'm excited about the church, and there's a great future for the church. And I believe as a church, the better, the, I mean, I'll say this about any church, but I'm going to say it about First Baptist Church, Avon Park, right now. The best days for this church is not then, it's there. And when I'm with Jesus... Or y'all mount me and put me in an office and that can be my shrine or something, whatever you do with old dead pastors. The next guy's going to say, it ain't about what John Beck did. It's what? It's what we're doing forward. So I'm very excited. Not because I'm here. I'm excited because I'm here. And this is the Lord's church. And the future is so bright for the bride of Christ. So I love the church. I'm excited about the church. I believe in the church. But we don't determine this by numbers. Have I ever told you my Joel Osteen story? Now, 
I'm not going to go on to Joel, Joel Osteen. He's not my fave. Spiritual depth is not what he is known for. He tells you just enough about Jesus to make you think you can love Jesus, but we'll just leave it at that. I had a good friend tell me one time, he said, Pastor, I'd love to see you preach at Joel Osteen's church. You could have that place whittled down to about 100 in a week. And I said, I thought, what did that mean? He said, I give you about a month, you'll be down to about 75 people out there. And I was like, that's right, that's right. Bless God, people don't want to hear the truth anymore. You know, but there's some truth to that, isn't there? I mean, people talk about, well, the Mormon church is the fastest growing church. Okay. That doesn't make it right. It's not all about numbers, but numbers are important. We don't look at a church and say, well, we're a good church. We've got numbers. It's, I've, some of the smallest churches I've ever been part of have been the most healthiest churches I've been part of. You know, some yards have a couple of flowers, and they think, oh, what a, that's a healthy yard. Some of y'all hadn't, tr- you know, hadn't pruned anything in years. It's a jungle. We think, well, I got all these plants. Yeah, but it's chaos. And so numbers don't always need. Some of the healthiest churches in America are small churches. It's not about numbers. It's not about membership. It's not about baptisms. I have to really watch my mouth sometimes. I heard a pastor say this past week in one of our meetings, what we need is spontaneous baptisms. I said, oh, that's all we need is more wet unbelievers. So we're just going to baptize. We'll just have spontaneous baptism. We're going to load up cow troughs down the sidewalk. And if you're here today and you want to be baptized, be baptized. That's all I need is more unregenerate church members that are wet. Now, I know I'm being silly and don't be mad at me, but is that what we need just to baptize more unbelievers? No. Are baptisms not glorious? Yes. Wouldn't it be awesome to have 10 baptisms of Sunday of people that have received the gospel and believed the gospel? It's not about baptism. It's not about numbers. It's not about membership. It's not about budget. It's not about buildings. A great church can be a big church, but a great church is not necessarily a big church. The reason I say that is because if it's about numbers, if that's my scorecard, that's a good way to say that. What's our scorecard? You know, sometimes I've, I've said in some of our, our budget meetings and sometimes here at the church, we've got a great budget meeting, great, great budget thing, but even sometimes in our budget meetings, we think a ministry's good if they, if they don't spend money. Well, we're not an investment bank. Now, when it gets personal, nobody wants to agree with me, does it? Amen? I mean, we're not saving for a rainy day, are we? I had a church tell me one time, well, we need to save up in case the air conditioner breaks. Do you not think God can take care of that air conditioner? I said, keep saving up for that air conditioner. I guarantee you God's going to take that air conditioner. God's going to get his money one way or the other, whether it's through the air conditioner. Try not tithe and see how many transmissions you put in your car. (laughs) It's not about these things. It's not about programs. I thought about this long and hard yesterday. I made a list. I'm being cute, but I'm being honest. It's not about programs and ministries that determine a healthy church. I made a list. I'll tell you what I did. I made a list. I sat down, and off the top of my head, I wrote down without even thinking everything that somebody has contacted me and asked me to do as a pastor through a church, whether it's phone call, flyer in the mail. No, it's usually a personal thing. Here they are. 
international hunger relief, foster care, adoption, human trafficking, pregnancy crisis, tutoring, food pantry, a construction ministry, medical assistant, English as a second language, addiction recovery, sports camps, and Bible distribution. That was off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, those were 13 things that people constantly asked me, y'all need to do this as a church. Y'all need to do this as a church. Y'all need to do this as a church. And I'm like, we don't need to do anything else. We just need to do what we're doing and do it real well. Let me let you in on some information here. We'll never have another work day because I've been so wound up. (laughs) If we do Sunday school right, you hear me? Sunday morning right? Sunday night discipleship right? Wednesday night right? Everything else takes care of itself. But if we don't do that right, and we know we're not, we know something's not right, we're not growing, we're not reaching people, but we're not doing the main ministries right, then we look for other things that we need to be doing. Well, maybe we need to do this. So our church does this, our church does that, our church does this, our church does that, our church does this, our church does that. Now, granted, I get calls all the time, and somebody will call, they'll come meet with me. Would you be willing to help with, with, and all these things are great things. Hear me, what I'm saying. And we, at some point or time, may be involved with some of these things. We may have been involved with some of these things. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying all those things. You think about a family for a moment. There is not a family member represented that's got children at home that will not admit you've got too much going on, don't you? And immediately you begin to think about, but what do we do with that? You know, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. Well, exactly. Church is the same way. I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that, I got that. It's not about programs and ministries. I didn't really plan on saying this. I don't think church health is about people either. We're a healthy church because we like our pastor. We're a healthy church because we got good people. No. Numbers are important, yes. Our ministries are important, yes. Our, our personalities are important, yes. But if, 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 any, if our church... Universally, if our own church revolves around these things, then that becomes our scorecard. Like golf. You play golf, you pull out your scorecard. How'd you do? There it is. Everybody's got a scorecard. Well, how are numbers? How are ministries? How are this? How's that? How's it financial? But we look at these things, and this, it's wrong. Here's my list. Here's what we need to be focused on. Not saying we are. Not saying we aren't, but I will say this is where we're going to be focused on. If we are going to be all in, I think it's important. Real quick, without question, this isn't even a point. I'm excited about our church. I believe in our church. I'm looking forward to serving in the church, in this church, because of the foundation we stand on. Who's our foundation? God is, the Word of God, the Gospel. This is why I'm excited. What do we do? How do we live? What's best? This is our foundation. God isn't going to leave us alone. God didn't say go figure this thing out. Our foundation is the infallible, inerrant, absolute truthfulness of the Word of God. Nothing else. It doesn't matter what we want, what we believe, what we think. I heard a a professor told me this one time, and it's not a very nice thing to say, but it's so true. Somebody said, well, I think, and a professor in seminary said, it doesn't matter what you think. 
That's, bad. That's negative. Don't be negative. We could, we could say that positive, but this is what matters. It, man, that, that is exciting to me. This is what matters. I bought something in the mail the other day. I love Amazon. But sometimes this is a turkey shoot. You don't know what you're going to get till you get it. That ain't what the picture looked like. And every time I start opening up boxes, Sharon's like, now don't forget the instructions. I got it, honey. Don't worry about it. So he laid them little instructions out. And you know, oh, there it is. We got our little instructions. There it is. Why are so many churches, 75 to 85%, this statement was made by an outside person. True story. You got to listen. Hear me all the way out. There is not a growing Southern Baptist church in Highlands County. This is what growth is, here to here to here to here. Every one of our churches have plateaued. They're running about the same they ran the year before. If you run 500, 550, 500, 550, 300, 300, not a Southern Baptist church in Highlands County is growing. They're plateaued. So if we run 400 every Sunday for every Sunday, what are we doing? If the local church runs 100 and they run 100 every Sunday, what are they doing? Are people die, are, is population increasing, population decreasing? So that, that gripped me. Yes, you may say, well, now, wait a minute. Now, I know the church around the corner is running this. Yeah, but percentage-wise, they haven't grown. If we're running this, this year, and this, this year. So at what point do we say as a church, we've been running the same thing for 20 years, if not worse? That'll make you think, won't it? Now, I just said numbers aren't important, but here's the thing. What are we called to do? To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. To see people born again. Do we still think God is in the saving business? Yes. I mean, here's a good example. You take a a huge church. If a huge church runs 7,000, okay, let's say, pick a big church. If a big church in Orlando it runs 5,000 people, man, they run 5,000 people. What did they run last year? 5,000 people. What did they run this year? 5,000 people. That's a plateaued church. Never thought about it that way, have you? What happens if you build a building and it only seeks 5,000? And anyway, you need, to, you need to split off and go plant a church. Do this and do that. But if you just continue running 5,000, I, I did a look at, of, a, of a mega church. I'm not going to say where or when. They were baptizing almost a thousand people a year. Go ask a mega church what they're baptizing. They're baptizing five hundred people a year, and they run five thousand a year. They baptize five hundred another year. They run five thousand people. They baptize five hundred people. They're running five thousand people. That's fifteen hundred people. Where did they go? So when you get baptized, you take somebody else's spot. Okay, who's the lucky one this week? We got five baptisms Sunday. Do I have a volunteer? Some of you will be going, yes, me, finally. Whew, I can go play golf every Sunday now. 
I ask that question. I've, I've always been this way as your pastor. I asked that question in a big meeting one time, and I thought they were going to drag me out back to some secret Southern Baptist police and say, never say that again out loud. If we're running 500 baptisms and we're getting trophies and statues in our name, but we're not growing, what are we telling other pastors? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Just keep baptizing and keep talking about the numbers. The early church baptized and incorporated, and the church grew, and they grew. So i tell you why I'm excited. Because we've got a foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have God. We have his word. We have the truth without any compromise of error. It is absolutely true from cover to cover. And that's how God, that's what we're doing. What are we about? Somebody asked me, well, what do you believe? I, I believe what God's word says. When I say Christian, I mean a biblical evangelical Christian. Well, my friend says they're a Christian. They're not a biblical, historical biblical Christian believes the Bible. That's exciting to me. I tell you why else I'm excited. Because I think a church can have biblical leadership. So our foundation, then we got biblical leadership. We've got biblical relationship, biblical discipleship, biblical membership. I'm thinking to talk very fast. What is biblical leadership? Isn't that sad that we have to put that word in there in church circles? As a NAM guy, I had to add biblical leadership. Why? Because they weren't doing it biblically. They were taking leadership principles, but not biblical leadership. So I'm excited for our church today and the future of our church because of biblical leadership is possible. Who is the leader of our church? Jesus. He's the head. Without question. We can check that box. We got a leader. Ain't that great? This time of year, we're firing basketball coaches. Who's going to be your leader? Who, everybody, oh, leader, leader, leader. We got a leader, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth is our head of our church. That's exciting. Do you think he's going to let us down? Do you think he's going to disappoint us? Do you think he's got poor leadership skills? He is the Lord of the universe, and his name is Christ. And that's what we focus on. But there's also a biblical leadership for the local church. We have elders. Now, Southern Baptist has a, a single, uh, uh, I'm not saying, a plurality of elders is many elders. And Southern Baptist Church says, well, why does the Bible have elders? Well, we have elders. We just usually call them a senior pastor. Now, you can't have multiple elders. Some Southern Baptist Church have elders and deacons. We usually recognize our senior pastor as an elder. And so God gives us a picture about what a leader of a church looks like. Here's something to think about. What about an elder? What about a staff member? That's a leader of a church, isn't it? What about a teacher? And our deacons and our teachers. I'll tell you something I thought about this week. Anybody that makes a decision that affects the body of Christ is a church leader. Would you agree to that? It's not about a man leadership or female leadership. I mean, if you, you think about it, if you are making a decision that affects the congregation, if the congregation says, we're going to put a group of people together to help decide what color we paint the back hallway. We did that this week. That's a leader to me. 
We've looked at that person and said, you know what? There's some qualities in your life. We want you to do something. Okay, so a church leader looks very differently in different contexts. We do have a pastor. We do have our deacons. We do have our teachers. Here's the thing about it. Anybody that serves in any capacity that is making a decision based on the, the, the wishes and the desires of the congregation is a leader. Now hang on to that thought. How much expectations do we put in the leadership of our church? Who do we, I mean, you think about that. What does a leader look like? The business world says that the church rises, uh, the, the, the organization rise and fall according to leadership. Would you believe that? So if we think about it as a church, those in, in, in areas of influence in ministry, those are leaders. Yes, we have male leadership as elders and deacons, but anybody that is serving and leading and teaching and making decisions, that's exciting. They're, they're part of the church. They're, the church has looked at them. When we go into a, an end of the year, a beginning of the year business meeting, we take that committee report. Here are our committees. We are saying these people are leaders of our church. Can I tell you a little funny story one time at a church I was involved with? I was a new pastor going through the committee list, and all Southern Baptist churches have committees. I was sitting as a young pastor in a new church going through the committee presentation before I went to the church and had to ask who a couple of people were. Just hear me out. Say it out loud. A lot of times we say things out loud, we understand how ridiculous they sound. Young pastor, didn't want to get run out of town my first week. I have a question. Of course, at that point, brother, pastor, whatever you ask, whatever you, I got a question. Do you think a committee member probably needs to come to church? The response. Well, that's what they've always they've always served on that committee. Just saying. Uh, I just think they probably need to be active church members. What do you think? Now say that out loud. Just say that out loud. We're on a committee and we don't come to church. I missed three rotary meetings. They almost threw me out of rotary. I had to pay triple. Have you ever been in a rotary? You just give them enough money, they'll keep you around. That was embarrassing. Got thrown out of rotary. We have a committee report. They don't come to church. They're not in Sunday school. They're not in our small group disciple ministry, but this is what they think is best for the church. True story. Almost as true as another church I pastored. I guess that's why I didn't last long at this church. Half of the budget committee did not tithe. Three gave zero. How do you know that? Somebody told me incognito. It was kind of one of those CIA handoff things. <laughs> you know, you kind of go into your office and there's a list going, you might need to know that it was encrypted, secret encryption. And I was wondering, no wonder I was banging my head up against a wall trying to do gospel ministries. We as a budget committee have decided, okay, 
I would rather have somebody that gives $5 on a weekly basis because that's a biblical tithe, deciding what somebody we do. And that, but doesn't that just make sense? Just biblical leadership. All in. Isn't that simple? Just all in. Who you are, what you got, what you do, and you're just all in. Acts 20, 28. Notice what Paul said to the Ephesus leaders. He was about to be arrested and taken to Jerusalem. He knows this. Acts 20, it's kind of the last parting words. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Pay attention to care for the church of God. You know, parents, we're going to stand before the Lord and be accountable for the way we raised our children. I am going to stand up before the Lord and be an accountable for the way I've pastored his church. Sunday school teachers, I believe you're going to stand up before the Lord and be accountable for the way you led your Sunday school class. Committee members. I mean, just, just think about that from a, from a realistic standpoint. What does it mean to be a leader? I really believe with all of my heart, wherever we raise and set the bar of expectation, it'll be what we'll accomplish. Do you think when you... Can you imagine signing with the uh, University of Alabama? Can you imagine that first? Can you imagine that first meeting with Nick Saban? He probably walks in and went, "Well, George is going to be up this year. They're probably going to drag us all up and down the field. Florida might finally find a quarterback and move on from Tebow." Uh, you, what do you think Nick Saban says when he goes in them meetings? Brother, I'm telling you what, they're clearing off a spot for the national championship trophy. Whether they do it or not, they believe it. And I think where we set the bar, if we expect great things, God will accomplish great things. Hey, budget committee, I'm not, and this, this church is not here when I said that. It was another church. I don't mind telling you because I'm on the Internet. The other church might hear it. They'll be trying to figure out who told me. Hey, church, I bet if we have a budget committee that get, just give. Three members gave nothing all year. I bet if we just give as a budget committee, I bet God will bless us and do things he's never done before because we won't let him do it. Do you believe that? I believe it. He is on his throne. Amen? So if he is on his throne, why are churches losing their influence in our country? I'm talking country. Where, what direction has our country gone in under our watch? You understand it's under our watch. If you're, if you're 50 and 60 and up, it happened under your, our watch. This happened. If Jesus Christ is on his throne and this is his church, why has the church appeared to be so defeated? And I tell you, he's on his throne but we won't allow them to be on our throne. You hear that? We want to do church our way. We want to do ministry our way. This is our lead. This is my ministry. This is my thing. This is I want to do this. I'm going to do this. That is putting us on our throne of life instead of letting Christ on the throne of my life. He is Lord, but we have to allow him to be Lord. Could you imagine what different, what if, what if, what if all the churches, let's think about taking prayer out of school. How did that happen? 
We let it. Why are we debating same-sex marriage? We let it. Could you imagine if churches really believed the Word of God was the Word of God and God will bless His Word of God and regardless of what happens, if we stand on the Word of God, would we have allowed prayer to get out of our public school? Would we allowed things? No, that would have never happened. But we allowed it to happen because we have put ourselves on the thrones of our life instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that simple. Biblical leadership is what excites me. He's on his throne. Let's let him be on our throne. I'll close with this. There's much more. Biblical leadership, biblical relationships. Now, what is a biblical relationship? Look at that bulletin. All people work together. All things in common. We're in this together. Whether we're old, whether we're young, this is our church. We're doing this together. It's not about me. It's about us. Biblical relationships. Do you know how many, how many churches I've been involved with in my 20 years of ministry? Well, I know, I know, I'll, I'll say it this, I'm not naming names. I know what's going on right now. I know there are people in this building right now, right now, that do not get along with other people. I know that. They could be, I don't know this, they could be somebody sitting there right now looking at me going, I'll never follow him. Do you, how much do you think God's going to bless our church if we can't even follow our pastor or a staff member or a staff member? Every church I've been involved with, I know there are people going, if I could just get this person to sit over here with that person, this person over there, you know, we have to manipulate nursery schedules. Well, we can't serve, they can't serve together, Pastor. Why can't they serve? They don't get along. And we're asking God to do something in our midst, and we've got people in the church that we know don't get along. Maybe if we ignore it, God will ignore it too. Where's the one place this side of heaven that we all love each other? Where? The church, thank you, sir. We're going to be hanging out in heaven together. Joyful people on this side of the street, grouchy people on this side of the street. Sharon says it depends on what day of the week it is where I'm going to live. I'm going to have two homes in heaven. We laugh at it, but isn't that the truth? I have been there. I have literally been there before. I know I'd see a church member going, Oh, hey, yeah, yeah. You think God's going to bless that sermon that day? Why don't we give the invitation after the invitation? Why don't you go up to somebody and say, please, here's this. I don't even, th- I don't even want you to think you did anything wrong, but you know there's something between you and somebody. Whether they did it or whether you did it, that's not the issue. Well, they just, nah. I'm not, they just, nah, they know I, mm-mm. Could you imagine what would happen if revival broke out in our fellowship? See, we can't imagine because it hasn't happened. Every church in Highlands County is plateaued, even though they may be running in good numbers. 
you imagine what happened if revival broke out in our churches in Highlands County? I bet they wouldn't be plateaued anymore. You know what I do? Somebody comes here and they say, Brother Pastor, we have visited two or three weeks. We love your church. You are the greatest pastor in the world. Where are you coming from? Well, I used to go to Fellowship, and then I went to Florida Avenue, and then I was on Park Lakes. That George Hall, John Gurley, but we love you. And that joy, I'm telling you what, we've, tried, we've been to every church in the county, but now we like you. I'm going, oh, dear Lord Jesus. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen? Well, we've become Methodists. Why? We've used up all the Baptist churches. You know what I do? And there are good reason to leave churches. You know what I do? I learned this about 10 years ago. If somebody comes to me and they say, I am leaving this church, and there's a negative reason, this is what I tell them. You need to go talk to that pastor before you leave. And you join our church. Instead of, well, we just felt it was best that we went to another church. Could you imagine being able to say, Pastor, I just am, I'm having a struggle right now, and that struggle is you. Could you imagine what would happen in our local churches if we could just get real and get right with God? Jokingly, I think it was Wednesday night, I was walking down the sidewalk, and I looked up, and there was a gaggle of people in the parking lot, and somebody said, here's a real business meeting, and we were making fun of it. That is a prophetic statement. We get in our little corners of our ministry. We get in our offices, and we talk, and we get in the parking lot. We do our little things, and we have our little business meetings, and we wonder why each and every week, chirpets or cric- uh, uh, you can hear chirpets Crickets chirp at the invitation. We wonder why people aren't getting saved. You got Christians out in the media fighting each other. You got, and you're like, just be the church. Come on. It's not hard. And I believe in the church. And I'm excited about the church. Biblical relationships. We'll close with this. Do you love Jesus? Do you love one another? I had another believer tell me this. True story. Most are. (laughs) Pastor, you know I love you. (laughs) This is what I said. It was prophetic. But do you like me? Do you know this person could not answer yes? (laughs) Pastor, you know I love you. But do you like me right now? And they just kind of went, huh. If I can't say I like you, there's a heart issue right here. If I can say I love you, but if I cannot look at a mother, another person as a believer and sit down and look you eye to eye and say, I sure do like you, that is a heart problem. And that's something I need to deal with. We're not losing the battle. We're just not in the war. We're not losing. We're just not involved. Let's go all in. 
Let's understand what biblical leadership looks like. Let's put some expectations on some. Let's look at somebody that says, hey, we want you to lead. We want you to be involved. We want you to be all in. Man, we, the more the merrier. We need to be all about this. We're all in this together. Can everybody be as, as committed at the same level? No. But the, I think the leadership, I think those that are making, they need to be. I think that's just common sense. I think we expect great things from God, and God will do great things through our church. And I believe we need to look at our relationships. We love because God first loved us. Certainly we can love one another. I want to encourage you this week. I'm going to close with that statement. Whether you think you are at fault or not, but you know there's something wrong with someone in your life, I want you to take care of that today. I want you to take care of that this week. In our churches, I am tired of looking like the world's winning. And morality has gone sideways. And we're sitting as churches and we're meeting and we're doing and we're planning and we're plotting and we're doing and we're singing and we're teaching and we're preaching. But God's not truly doing what he needs to do through us because we're not pure, we're not holy, and we're righteous before him. I love that. I, I told Curtis, I always tell Joy, I apologize for talking when we're singing. I looked over and told Curtis, this is my new favorite song. God is able. God is able. God is able. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we do thank you for grace and mercy and truth. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the church. We thank you for the privilege of being saved, and we say thank you for that. We thank you for the body. We thank you for one another. We thank you for our uniqueness. We thank you for our differences. We thank you, Lord, for all that we have here, specifically at First Baptist Church. Lord, I pray for our church this morning, as well as other churches. Let us be all in. Let us believe the gospel. Let us cling to the gospel. Let us share the gospel. Let us be a church. Let our churches in Highlands County, Lord, let every church not be plateaued, not just going through the motion. Let us be a church as other churches that bring about true gospel-centered conversion and revival where we're truly making a difference for the kingdom. Lord, let us be that church to when someone could even walk in our doors, they would know surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. But that starts with us. Do a work in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.